Welcome to the Haddonfield Horrors Podcast, where we review horror movies and horror movie franchises. Today we're watching Scream, 1996, directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williams. I'm your host, Mark, the horror movie fanboy. And I'm Kennedy, the horror movie noob. And today we're joined by two guest guest hosts. Can you guys introduce yourselves? My name is Maria. <laughs> Hi, my name is Tuan. And But before we get to know these guys more in Scream, 1996, Kennedy, can you give everyone a A peaceful town in California turns into a bloodbath when a masked killer haunts the town. Sydney Prescott, a young teenage girl whose mother was killed a year before, becomes the target of a masked killer. Her boyfriend, Billy Loomis, becomes the main suspect along with Sydney's father. Local tabloid news reporter Gail Weathers and Woodsboro deputy Dwight Dewey Riley investigate and try to figure out who the killer is and if it's the same person who killed Sid's mom the year before. Uh, it, it, good movie, in my opinion, but what about you guys? Uh, Tuan, what, what are your overall thoughts about the movie, and what was your, how was your first time, your first experience watching it? I would say overall, I love the, like, stream, the first movie, and I would say the franchise as a whole, um, especially just because it, it works good as a horror movie, and then also good as, like, a decent deconstruction of, like, a lot of, like, horror tropes as well. But because but they also use those tropes in like in like funny ways within the movie because you know it was like a satire but even though it was a satire it still works really good as being a horror movie first and besides that I would say I don't remember the first time I saw Scream I would say I remember the Ghostface mask as like more of an imagery than seeing the movie first. But I have, like, watched the movie, like, a lot of times, though, throughout the years. Maria? Okay. Um, yeah, so I just, I actually just watched it recently. Because um, I kind of grew up watching the parody scary movies. Um, so when I watched Scream, uh, me and my siblings, we kind of decided to do, like, a scary movie marathon. Um, I'm not really big on slasher movies, but I feel like the first one, it was it was really good. I feel like it's a really good slasher movie. Um it's not like really, really deep, and it's just a good movie to watch when you're kind of just, you know, trying to look for a marathon. Kennedy. Yeah. So, Scream was always a movie I knew about, I, and I remember like catching parts of it on the TV, but I never fully like sat down ever to watch it completely. So yesterday was like the first time I actually sat down and watched it. Uh, as you guys may know, I'm not a horror movie i wasn't i wasn't really watching horror movies until like 2017 because of the friday the 13th game and since then i've just kind of been watching a bunch of slasher movies but the scream franchise has been one of those franchises that i never really watched before so yeah i think my first impressions are uh i really liked it definitely better than the hellraiser movies that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) that we can agree uh for me i love Scream. It's up there with Halloween and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street for me. I remember watching this movie with my grandmother. My grandmother's the reason why I watch her movies. She pretty much introduced me to all the big ones. And I remember like watching this movie being scared as shit. And I remember being so hyped when they were like referencing Michael Myers because at that point I had seen all the Halloween movies. And I thought this was dope. And I, de- I remember watching this before I watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and before I saw Wes Craven's new Nightmare, so I was like, oh, shit, it's it's that guy who made Freddy, so I like this movie. It's, it's, 
it's not dated like some horror movies. And, and that's weird because they do have a lot of 90s references and shit, but it doesn't feel old. It just feels like this is, it's a nice look into the 90s, basically. But I want to talk about that opening kill. To this day, that first phone call still like gives me chill where it opens, you hear a little, hear a little ringing and she answers. Still gets me. What about you guys? I really, yeah, I love the opening kill and how like Wes Craven set that up in the beginning. Cause even like on a rewatch, like it still like gets you like every time. Even though you know it's, you know it's gonna happen with it and everything, it still gets you. And like it's just like really like like really iconic to this point. And, and like so many movies have parodied it, especially like scare movie and stuff. But the scene itself is just like really good. It like. It really makes it really like grabs you into what the movie is like about to do, like movie is about to do like throughout the rest of this movie, like a build up of tension, and then the killer comes out and attacks who they're trying to go against, and uh, Drew, and then Drew Barrymore was good, it's like getting killed off, which also was like kind of like an iconic thing, cause like you know in the nineties, like she was really big, so people thought she was going to be the lead, then she just and her face is on the poster. Yeah, and she just get killed off in like the first five minutes of the movie. Like people, like nobody would have ever expected that at the time. So that was that was uh, really good to see, and um, it was a nice like opener to what we're about to like see for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I feel like it was such like an an iconic scene. You know, I feel like it's. I mean, like yeah, like like that scene lasts for five minutes, but I feel like everyone kind of remembers that scene. Um, and again, she's. She's on the poster when she was only like in the movie for like five minutes, and it was such a it was such a good scene, and it was so it was so cool. I feel like it really started like really like at a high point, and then it just kind of made the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's a it's a shame that uh, going into the movie, I kind of knew like all these little uh, like tidbits, like oh yeah, Drew Mary Drew Barrymore dies at the beginning, because I think if I would have seen it like in theaters for the first time, I think it would have really left a huge impression on me. Uh, but yeah, it was a really well done scene. I liked how, I liked, I liked that it took a while for her to actually die. So she was like getting injured, stabbed. So it kind of, it kind of still left you with the, with like, uh, like if she was still going to survive with like injuries or, or stuff like that. But And she saw her appearance. That never yeah. happens before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, they, he dragged it out long enough to make you just think, like, oh, well, maybe she'll still survive. You know, she gets, you know, she got uh, stabbed in the throat, but, you know, that I guess it's still survivable. Like, it's impossible. She can't die. It's Drew Barrymore. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good way to kind of subvert expectations. She she was supposed to be Sydney. Oh, was she? But then she read this. Yeah, she was cast as Sydney. That's why her face is the poster. But then she called... Um, the producers and she was like wouldn't it be wild if i played the opening girl because at first the character had no name she's gonna die so and she was like can i can i play the opening girl like no one would suspect that oh and they all agreed because they didn't want to turn down drew barrymore but they were like fuck they actually gotta go find someone to play sitting so that was her idea yep it was her idea that's great honestly and like it's funny now because like thinking back i can't imagine her being sydney <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine yeah, like Nev. Yeah, she she like that's like her role. Like nobody like nobody but her is like in that role for Sydney because I can't imagine anybody else now. Never. The, for me with that scene when 
She said when she picks up the phone, she's she's annoying. She's like, listen, asshole. No, you listen, you little bitch. You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Understand? That line still gets me every time, cause it's so unexpected. Cause he was real chill at first, and then he just turned. He just turned oh yeah. <laughs> it was it was crazy. But speaking of speaking of that. Do you guys have any standout scenes or plot points that you liked or disliked in the movie? Hmm. I will say definitely, definitely, like the ending, like when we find out it was uh, Stuart Billy who were like doing the killings, like oh, that, that was um, like a good twist to find out. And then like a small like I'm always watching like YouTube videos like randomly and like movies and stuff. So like re like watching like certain videos and like seeing how the killer is in certain scenes compared to others you can kind of tell they were trying to show like when the killer is like sloppy and stuff it was stew but when they were like being like really tactical and like precise with everything it was like billy so they like, said so, like probably in like the opening kill it was probably billy who was like doing that because he was kind of a little more like tactical what he was doing with like trying to kill um the, like the opening girl and i'll just say overall kind of i did like that um like the twist at the end i'll say the scene I probably maybe dislike the most in the movie. <laughs> probably was the um, not even disliked for like it was a bad scene just because it's like really when um, Tatum tried to like get out the dog door, <laughs> that would never not be funny to me. It is, it is so a, dumb. That it is the happen. Like, <laughs> a person wouldn't get that far. I don't care how big or small you are. The garage door wouldn't get that high up to like press you like. It, it would fall under you before it crushed you at the top. It is so that, that scene, like it is not gonna dislike it because it's bad. It dislike it because it's like this is the funniest thing ever. Like girl, like you have she had an opportunity to get out like two times and she didn't take it. She was whooping his ass and then she Honestly. ran through the cat door. <laughs> That was funny, but yeah, that 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 would be like my likes and dislikes far as like the plot to start concerned. Well, the scene that stood out for me and that I really liked was um, was that scene where I think it was after where where Stu and Billy had like revealed themselves, and then I think Cindy runs away and she calls them and she tells them like you know I called the police, and then and then Stu you know he like picked up the phone and he was like, Did you really call the police? Sorry, ass. My mom and dad are <laughs> and I, feel like, I still laugh at that scene. It's so <laughs> funny, but it also kind of like reminds you of how like I mean, because technically in the movie they're like what they're they're teens, they're in high school, you know, mm -hmm. and how like insensitive he was about the whole killings, because you know like you just murdered a bunch of people, but you're worried about your parents. Like that's not something you know you'd be worried about because you're going to be in jail. <laughs> I think he gave in to peer pressure. His, his it's definitely the case of like Billy, kind of like definitely pressured his best friend, his global best friend, to join him in the killings. I, that's why I get the feel of. Yeah, I feel like throughout the movie, you do kind of see, like, like you know, Billy and Stu were always kind of together. They're best friends. You know, Stu was Billy's, you know, like, his... He was always kind of, like, I guess in his shadow a little bit, but I feel like Stu, because... I don't know. I feel like he, he, he really liked Billy. That's his best friend. So it kind of... There was some gay, some gay undertones going on, but that's just me. I felt like... I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yes. It was funny when Scare Movie played into that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely some gay undertones. I was like, hmm. You had one that you disliked? Or you just thought it was weird? That didn't make any sense? 
Um, did I? I guess. I think, like, it was kind of weird having the dad there because he didn't really do much, you know? He was just, they just brought him in. They kidnapped him. They brought him out. He was in the closet literally most of the time while his 17, 18-year-old daughter is over here fighting these people. So I, I just thought, you know, what's the whole reason of having the dad there in the first place? <laughs> Everybody's a suspect! Yeah. That was the red hair. Yeah. Because they, they kept mentioning all oh, the calls came from Mr. Prescott's phone. We can't find Mr. Prescott. So we're supposed to think that he is possibly the killer. What about you, Kennedy? Uh, one of the more surprising scenes for me was when uh, when they killed the principal guy. Because from the few slash I never got that from the few slashes that we see and including uh what I saw the um a nightmare on Elm Street movies like you don't kill the adults you know the the adults are oblivious to what's going around uh, around the teenagers and stuff so seeing the principal get get killed like that uh uh I th I thought was really interesting uh and story wise it made no sense but given that it's Henry Winkler who was at that time well, he was he was a big star in the seventies, and people still knew knew of him in the nineties. So I guess it's a big pop culture kill, but it makes no sense in the context of the movie. Like, why? Do yeah, you know I always forget about that one. To be honest with you, on a rewatch, I'm like, oh, they did this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's actually in. The, I, keep, I forget that he's in the fucking movie. I'd be like, oh, I forgot that he, the Fonz is in here. Oh, that's the Fonz. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> and what else she got to do? Well, the entire ending climb, uh, ending battle, I thought was really cool too. Sydney fighting off two dudes, uh, Matthew Lillard and uh, Billy Loomis, which I thought the the choice of name was interesting too. I guess it was it's an obvious reference to to Doctor Samuel Loomis, but uh, it is. Maybe maybe they're related in some way. We don't know. Uh, but anyways, uh, no, yeah, I thought the entire uh, final battle uh, and when when Matthew Lillard is like talking on the phone with Sydney and 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 all that, uh, I thought was really good. For me, I think my favorite scene is the one when he calls Sydney for the first time. Because she's like making fun of, she's like, do you like scary movies? And she's like, no. Stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act. He's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. And that's something that we all think, like, why is this bitch going up the stairs? <laughs> then he, then the heat of the moment, you're like, I would probably go up the stairs too. Like, I'll probably run somewhere where I think I'm safe. And with all the adrenaline pumping and she couldn't get the door open, I was like, hey, this all makes sense. Like, you know it's dumb, but by default you do the dumb shit. I was like, okay, I got that. And also, like, the other conversation, when when he, when he calls her at Dewey's house, when I'm pretty sure that was Stu that called her because Billy was in prison. He was in jail. So I'm guessing Billy called Stu and then Stu called Sydney. And when she starts to realize, like, oh, shit, I might have, I might have, like, fingered the wrong guy for my mother's murder. I was like, oh, shit, this, that's, this, this is a good scene. Another scene I like is the news clip of Cotton. Because it's only like five seconds oh, long. Oh, yeah. Cotton. But he's so important to the movie. 
and he and he becomes a bigger deal in the next two movies. I'm just like from that five second clip, we we get more of him for no reason. But I I enjoy it. The one scene I don't like is it's also with the principal when he's like threatening the two students with the with the the sharp. Scissors. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is he going to kill his students? <laughs> the fuck is going on in this scene? I was like, he's just like waving his knife around. I'm like, I get it. They were insensitive, but like, you're threatening children. This is, this is illegal. So I didn't feel so bad when he died. But also the fact that everyone left the party to go see his body hanging from the, the school raptors was weird. I'm like, y'all want to go see our principal's dead body? Like, this, this makes no <laughs> sense. I mean, I, I hated my high school principal, but I wouldn't go and see her, like, mangled and hanging from a tree or some shit. Like, what the no, fuck? That's real. weird. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, another scene that I liked is when Randy's on the couch and he's yelling, he's yelling at the screen and he's like, Jamie. Jamie, look behind you. Look behind you. <laughs> it's kind of, it's very meta because the actor's name is Jamie. So I was like, yeah, this this is interesting, but I like that little little like like the little creative things they did, like how they were watching Halloween on the TV, so they they used the Halloween score. Thought that was very. Oh, cool. yeah. I don't I don't think there's much that I don't like about this movie. Yeah, it, it's I like that it's it. I like that it knows it's a horror movie, which keeps everything like going. And another thing about that Tatum scene, like, I don't, I never understood, like, why her nipples were so hard in that scene. I swear, those those things were thinking, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, this has got to be a 90s thing. <laughs> it had to be. I'm like, I'm like, and given who, who, like, the producers were on set, the wine scenes, I was like, this just makes it all just feel, makes me very uncomfortable that her nipples are hard. No, for and real. her. And knowing her history with Harvey Weinstein, I'm like, mm, I'm uncomfortable witnessing this. The scene with the camera and the cameraman, and he's like, oh shit, it's a 30 second delay. And he gets his throat slit. I like oh, Kenny yeah. the whole movie. Gail was treating Kenny so wrong. No, for real. Kenny didn't do nothing. But I loved it when she got punched. Sydney. Yes, all of it. That that one that is another one of my favorite scenes. Actually, <laughs> I love that scene because Gail deserved it. Gail was like she was doing too much at times. And she was like, "I'll send you a copy." And then boom, I was like, "Damn!" I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that at all. I also didn't expect for Dewey to live. I was pretty sure Dewey died, and then he waved his hand at the end. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." Do we survive? Do we our cat? <laughs> <laughs> but then, let's talk about a few characters and what we liked and disliked about them. Let's start with with Sydney. What's everyone's thoughts on Sydney? Sydney's a great protagonist, honestly. Um, um, just because Sydney's actually like smart. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of like characters we see in like slashers and stuff like Sydney Sydney's very smart and like she actually like tries to outsmart the killer and tries to kill them as well like when she can 
like some people like they'll like wait up like everything like that but in the first movie when it came to like double tapping or shooting them again sydney was just like letting it fly with the with the with the gun like she was not playing around like she she was actually like trying to defend herself like i feel like some characters like the writers like write them in a way to like they make them too curious about it but like sydney was like no you're trying to kill me Way too curious. Like, they keep going back to check. I'm like, you shot him. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah, like, Sydney was like, like, I I like that. And I like that it follows, like, past the first movie. Like, they they all start double tapping their kills. Like, they shoot once and they're like, oh, we're going to do it again for a good, just to make sure. So yeah, Sydney. Yeah, Sydney's a, Sydney's a very good protagonist, and and Nev Campbell was very like greatly casted in the role as her. Um, I, and that was that was her first like feature, like her yeah. first like starring role. Yeah, she she was great. Like honestly, I can't imagine anybody else taking that role like from her. And and I'm glad to see she's going to be back in like the new movie they're doing as well. The only reason I'm going to watch it is because the trio is coming back. That's the Same. only reason. <laughs> Like if, if there's a screen movie without like Dewey, Sydney, and, and Gail, I I don't want to watch it. Mm. Like I'm like this isn't this isn't a screen movie. What the fuck is so this? So they're the big three of the franchise. Yeah. I mean they're the only, they're the only ones who keep surviving each movie. So yeah, I, I, I would guess mm-hmm. so. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else is dead. What about you, Maria? Yeah, I feel like she was really great. You know, she was like she always fought her way through like she was she was a fighter you know she grabbed whatever she could that was nearby she used it as a weapon she you know like she definitely tried to kill her killer because there's no way she was gonna die you know and, and all the movies i feel like she was great i really like yeah she's great uh she's uh tough uh like like you guys said you know trying to go after the killers at the end uh whereas other final girls like try to just kind of escape and survive uh she kind of turned the tables on billy loomis and and matthew lillard uh at the end there uh she even like donned the costume on which i thought was super epic uh yeah she's a great great protagonist uh for 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 this movie and i assume she does a, a a a good job in the rest of them wait have you not seen the rest of them no this is no like Oh, this should be interesting then. We watch the rest of them. But for me, she's up there with like Laurie Strode. Like they actually fought back. Like they and I was just like, okay, I, I'm liking it. She was kicking ass. She was talking shit. She was open to the idea that she might have been wrong about her mother. Like she kept going back and forth with it. And I like the whole like internal conflict. Ah, yeah. like, I, I enjoyed that. Like she wasn't like hard pressed, like, I was right, they were wrong. But then I the fact that she was slowly trying to like come around to the idea, and then they even said that Cotton was like up for being like executed. So all this should happen at the right time, to be honest. For for Cotton who's about to die. And I also kind of oh sorry. No, go ahead. Go no, because because I also kind of liked how you know at the end when she like finds out that her boyfriend like. Her first boyfriend, who she literally just had sex with for the first time, was the killer. She wasn't like, oh, my God, not the man that I love. She was like, you know what? She, like, you know, she she tried to kill him. You know, she went after him, called him a mama's boy, as she should, because that's exactly what he was. Um, I feel like, you know, that was really good for her. Like, she didn't, like, she went on, like, 
survival mode like right after when she realized that he was you know not who she thought he was after all that they went through and right after they had sex for the first time too that yeah that would have it would have broke me so i i definitely like that she didn't let that break her what about gail does anyone like gail or dislike gail i will say i grew to like gail <laughs> like over time like probably on like uh, like first couple watches of the movie i'm like Gail is kind of annoying, but also, like, I guess, like, you're sitting there, like, in a small town, and, like, she wants her big break, like, she was willing to do anything to, like, get that break she needed in, like, her industry, so I, I get it, like, like, not saying I would be the same way, but if I was trying to, like, get a big break, and this, case, this like, is going on, and we're in a small town, and, like, I'm only one of the, um, like, one of the um, news networks. Like I'm trying gonna try to get this story and get what I can from it. But um, like at certain points, Gail was kind of annoying. But like you grow with the characters. The movies goes on, and I appreciate Gail at this point. So it, it's all cool. No, no, I was just gonna say she's one of those characters where or where you're obviously not meant to like her at the beginning because they obviously between Gail and Sydney they have some history. Uh, and. Uh... You know, she came up with their own book with theories about like the death of her mom, and at, at the beginning, you're thinking, "Oh, she's she's coming here with bad intentions." But by the end, uh, you know, she means good. So I assume that with with the movies that are coming in the future, that she she only kind of does more good things and 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 and, and stuff. So yeah, I kind of I don't. Yeah, I didn't like her in the beginning. Um, I felt like she was like, I mean, I, I guess I do get why, but she was like really like power hungry, just wanted fame, wanting to get the story. Um, I, I mean, I did kind of like her because I thought that she was really fierce, you know, like she was not going to let anything stand in her way of what she wanted. Um, but I also like, honestly, like if in the end she had, she like turned out to be the killer i would not have been surprised i would have been like you know that it kind of makes sense you know she was also she was always chasing the story i feel like she'd be the type to you know create her own story um but i do like how she was like i don't know she was a she was a bad bitch you know she was always trying to she knew what she wanted and she wanted to go get it and i thought that was cool i just didn't like how annoying she was like she could like i feel like she could have gotten her story and left Sydney alone. Like that. Like that girl was a teenager. She didn't she have to was do all that. Things. Yeah, she was following her around. She was on her ass. She was like, like um, antagonizing her like on purpose, you know, because just to get something out of her. Like, like that scene when Sydney punched <laughs> Gail was so. It was. It was great. Like I love that scene. <laughs> it felt really good. You know, I was like, yeah, like you, you do that. I always liked Gail. I've never not liked her. I always liked how she was like ambitious and she would do anything to like get what she wanted. I mean, also I watched these movies after I had already become obsessed with um, Friends. So, because oh. back then, back in the day when I was a kid, Friends was on repeat every every night on TBS before the episode came out on NBC. So, I was already obsessed with Friends by the time I was like. Seven. So, I went in liking Gail. There was never a point. She always had like the best like comebacks and like one-liners. 
I hated how she treated Kenny, but I'm like, if you gotta whip him in the shape, girl, whip him in the shape. Tell his ass to get there on time. Move your ass and point the camera, Kenny. Do what Gail said. <laughs> I'm always team Gail. But I do think of all the characters, a cor- like over the course of the four movies, Gail has the best like character development. Yeah. Ah. Because with each movie, with each movie, I don't want to spoil it, but like with Kennedy hasn't seen it, but with each movie, she grows on you. Yeah. And I'm just like, huh. Yeah, Definitely. I agree with that. Like, she feels more part of the like, like as it goes along. Like, I won't say she like loses like what made her Gail, but like it's kind of like toned down a bit because like she, they're actually like all like friends at this point. And like, she and they all survive like multiple attempts on their lives. So yeah. at that point, you have to change. You can't be a, a bitch forever. Yeah, um, I would say she's more like that with um, like the newer people in the movies that come along. But like with like Sydney and like Dewey, like she's she's more chill. Speaking of Dewey, let's talk about Dewey. I didn't like Dewey at all in the first movie. He had some funny moments, but. And that police, in the police station, when he's talking to his sister, he's like, What did mom tell you? When I wear this badge, you treat me like a man of the law. <laughs> that was funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was funny. He was definitely the needed, like, comic relief. Did anybody else like Dewey? I thought... Or not like Dewey? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on him. Uh, well, I think I'm more good than, than, than bad anything. Uh... I, th- I thought he was a likable character, and I thought I thought it was cool that he was uh, related to to Tatum. I guess that's what her name is, Rose McGowan. Uh, that's actually a wasted plot point, to be honest. Mm. That never comes up again. That's very true. <laughs> I always forget that um, that um, they're siblings until I watch the movie again. I think everyone in production forgot that they were siblings because that's never mentioned like ever fucking again. Yeah, it could have been taken out or nothing would have changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does he but, does he ever mention it in the future movies? Like, yeah, my sister was killed by It's it's it has a small mention in part three, but if you're not paying attention, you'll you'll miss it. Damn. <laughs> yeah. But you you'll you'll see it because it's it's yeah. What about you, Tuan? Um, I I like Dewey as a character. Dewey's very like lovable as a character. Like he can like he can get like annoying at times, but I feel like that's just like the like kind of like the charm of the character and the like you know and uh, the guy who's playing him as well. Um, I think it's what, David Arquette. I think that's his name. Um, and I would say that's like kind of just like the charm of his character, and he, like he's very lovable. And you, and like as the movie goes on, and like you go to the other movies as well, like he's very, um, like protective over like everyone like around him, like um, especially Gail and Sydney, as we see later on. And I think I think Dewey's a good character. He just he's just very lovable. Like it's kind of hard to hate Dewey, like even though he does like goofy stuff, like. He is kind of like a little bit of comic relief, even when scary stuff is happening. <laughs> like he still, he still, I still like laugh at some of the stuff with him. But I think, I think he's a good character, and he contrasts Gail a lot. Watching him flirt with Gail is all the comedy I really need in this movie. <laughs> so he tries so hard, and it's so cute. And it's like, uh. <laughs> what about you, Maria? Yeah, like 
I like him. I feel like he's like a nice character. He's not like I feel like as intense as everybody else is. You know, he's like a good, very, you know, he. I mean, he seems like a really nice guy. I mean, and yeah, him flirting with Gail was funny, but I felt bad for him because <laughs> she was just using him just to get the story. <laughs> but I liked how like towards the end, I mean, she I guess liked him a little bit. Um, but I think I don't know. Like honestly, he didn't really stand out for me as much as everybody else did. Um, honestly, I didn't expect him to survive either. I kind of thought, you know, he was that, you know, nice guy trying to help and he gets killed, you know, along the way. He wasn't supposed to. He was actually written to die. Oh, was he? Shit. But, yeah, but the director was like, I feel like people might like you. So he, he told him, like, right before they, they, they called action, he told him, like, just wave your hand or something to even know that you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, just leave so that that's why he waved his hand at the end and i like that because it comes up again in the second movie how gail goes straight to like reporting the news i mean i like how they twist that and do some other shit with it in the second movie but we'll say that for that but moving on from dewey what about ray and all his horror movie rules and logic Hmm, Randy. I don't like a lot of people like really like Randy. I don't like have like a, a like a, an opinion on Randy to be honest. Like he was just kind of he was there. He was like kind of just there for me in a way. But like I'm not gonna say I disliked his character. But like he was he I would say he was like the voice of like the audience basically. Like basically saying like what we were all probably thinking like on our yeah. of like horror movies. So He's he a horror like, movie fan. Yeah, so he was like the voice. He was like uh he was like us like watching like watching the movie but actually experiencing it IRL. And I guess I could see like that's why he is like very loved. I don't have like strong opinions on him to be honest. I love his horror movie rules because I had never actually thought about like what the rules of the horror movies were. Like, like you watch all those 80s slashers and you see that they they all follow a formula. But then having someone actually spell it out for you, I was like, oh, there are certain this all makes sense that now. one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. What about you, Maria? Yeah, I... I mean, yeah, I don't really have an opinion on Randy. Um, he didn't... I mean... Like, I, like, I thought he was going to die, too. <laughs> but I do like him because uh, he was... I don't know. Like, I guess specifically what what I liked about Randy was um, in that one scene where, like, where him and Stu are, are, are in that store and he's like, you know, it, it makes sense that it's... Um, that it's Billy because of, you know, all these reasons. And I was like, honestly, like, like, I feel like I would do the same thing. I'd be like, yeah, like, like, you know, who's the killer, the guy with the mommy issues. I mean, it makes sense. Um, and I liked him, like how he went on that whole rant. Um, because honestly, cause same, I feel like I would do the same thing. If there was a killer in my town, I try to, you know, figure it out and I'd, you know, go and ranting to people about it. <laughs> like he was a true horror movie fan. I would definitely be be Randy in a in a serial killer situation. I would definitely be like the conspiracy theory, like it has to be him, him, him. Like I watch these movies, it it all makes sense to me. That would be me. What about you, Kennedy? What what are your opinions on Randy? 
Uh, yeah, just kind of going back to that same scene in the video store where he's kind of like putting everything together. Well, maybe, you know, Billy wants to kill Sydney because, you know, she's not have she's not making it easier for him, easy for him or whatever. And uh, just that awareness that like the same thoughts that we in the audience are having, I, I thought was pretty cool. And I was surprised. I was completely surprised that uh, uh, when he survived there at the end, I thought he was going to die. But uh yeah, not that I don't know uh, if he's gonna have like a bigger role in the future movies, but I don't mind him sticking around. He he's part of the recurring cast. That's all I'll say. Oh, okay. Uh, let's move on to Billy. Billy Loomis, the the person who kicked it all off by killing Sydney's mom because she was hooking up with his dad. Billy's one of those people who I don't understand who, like, those kids who take their parents' divorce to heart and only thinks about, oh, my God, my parents are divorcing. Oh, my God, what does this mean for me? I'm like, well, you know, your mom could have been miserable in her entire marriage, and she got away. It sucks that she left you, but it sounded like your dad was a dick anyway. So, I'm like, if it wasn't Sydney, mom, he was fucking, he probably would have been fucking somebody else. He probably was. So, all this... I don't like Billy. What about you guys? Yeah, I... I don't know. Even though, like, Billy's the whole reason, like, this franchise was kicked off, I don't know why, like... Billy's kind of forgettable for me. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, go, like going on and stuff, like, with the, with the um, franchise and everything, but... Um, like he was good, and like the character was good in this movie, and especially the actor that played him, like he played him well, and especially in the ending scene with um, him and Stu, like saying what they did and everything, and how they were gonna frame it. Um, that was all like a good scene, but I don't know. I just I kind of for, like forget about Billy, even though like, he's the reason most of this started. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like the only memorable thing about Billy was literally when he revealed himself to be the killer <laughs> and his reasons, but that's about it. I feel like before that, um, like, yeah, I feel like, if honestly, if it, was, and if it wasn't for Stu, I think he also would have not have been, like, such a great, you know, killer, such a great, you know, character, if he didn't have somebody to back him up. Yeah, they definitely gave off, like, edgelord vibes and <laughs> nothing more uh uh yeah that like i agree with what you were saying marcus like damn really just like a divorce and like that caused you to start killing all these people so it's definitely one of those uh weaker motivations where he was even saying in the movie like oh sometimes killers don't even have to have motivations but here's my motivation and i'm gonna tell you everything right now I think it probably would have been better if he just did, he just said like, "Hey, some people just don't have a motivation. We just want to kill." Kind of, kind of like, kind of like Michael Myers tying in the last name with the the movies. You know, I think that would have been better. Just they just want to kill people, and that's it. But no, he kind of had to talk about his backstory a little bit there, and it kind of just ruined it a little. I think for everyone, uh, yeah, and it just kind of looked they weren't anything more than just edge lords to me. So, <laughs> yeah. Billy and Stu are... Well, Billy, I don't like Billy. Stu, I kind of feel sad for Stu, who we're going to talk about next. Because I feel like he... He didn't want to turn down his best friend, and I feel like he was definitely in the peer pressure. I definitely get, like, 
some some queer I'm in love with my best friend vibes off Stu. So that's why he did what he did. It definitely he was definitely weak willed and let Billy talk him into this BS. Yeah. What about you guys? Um, so yeah, I would say with um yeah, with Stu, like he kinda just got dragged into it, <laughs> to be honest. Like you could tell like even like the part that Maria brought up earlier, like when he picked up the phone, he's like his mom's like gonna be so mad. Stu just had problems probably and Billy was just, Billy just like um kinda like coerced him to like join him. I'm like I'm pretty sure if he was like a sound body in mine and probably had no issues, which I think he probably did. Um, he probably wouldn't have done that because he was more scared than anything. I feel like Stu kind of, I feel like he just didn't think anything through. Honestly, that's what it feels like. Um, I feel like he, like you know, his best friend Billy just came up to him and said, "You know, it'd be really cool if we kill people." And Stu was just like, "You know what? That does sound kind of cool. You know, let's do it." Um, but I feel like he didn't really think about like any like consequences. He didn't think about like the actually you know him killing people um i figured he just you know he was a teen he thought it sounded cool nobody else does that let's well let's do it you know <laughs> and blamed it and then yeah in fact that he didn't think about his parents until the end i'm like yeah fuck? yeah and even <laughs> then like all he thought about was that his parents not about the fact that he's about to get arrested he's gonna go to jail they're gonna be charged for this like I don't know. That he might die because Billy just stabbed him way too deep. Yeah, I feel like Stu was just having fun the way he, you know, Billy coerced him that, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like Billy just made it seem like, like, like killing people and doing all this was not a big deal. And Stu was just like, you know, like I mean, I kind of like Stu as a friend. I feel like he was, if he wasn't a little crazy and going around murdering people, I would have liked him as a character. Um, Who's a ride or die friend? Yeah, you know, <laughs> he may be a little, a little dumb, a little bit, but um, I, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah. I mean, I do kind of like him as a character. Uh, I think that his acting, in particular, was uh, Matthew Lillard's acting to kind of portray like this more vulnerable, sillier guy that's just trying to hold it together was really, really good. Uh. I guess I guess I, I think uh I, I do think his character is a little bit more interesting than Billy. Uh for sure. Uh but like I said before with the same with Billy, just kinda uh a little bit more on the edgy side. Uh but yeah, I do think his killer was more interesting than than than, than Billy, so yeah, there's that. I wanna talk about Cotton, because we only see him for five seconds, but he's mentioned throughout this movie. Just because he was hooking up with Sydney's mom, she blamed him for the murder. Like for the entire movie you're supposed to think that Cotton you don't you aren't sure if he killed her or not. And I feel like he has a big presence over this movie for us to only see him for five seconds. I like the the setup for Cotton. I agree, but I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. I forget about Cotton until the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like I know we see him for a bit in this movie, and I know like he's supposed to be the one that like murdered Sydney's mom. But most of the time, I forget about him till the second movie, and then I'm like, oh, this is that guy. 
Yeah, I forgot that his name was Cotton until the second movie. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was that oh that dude that they thought you know killed Sydney's mom. Okay, um, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like in the first movie you don't really get to get to really know Cotton or see him really just for those five seconds. Um, and, and yeah, like I do like how they kind of set him up for the second movie, and I feel like that yeah. made his presence a little bit more you know. And Candy hasn't seen the second movie, so he has no idea what's in store when it comes to Timmy Chicago. All I know is that's Lee Schreiber, so I know yeah. he's not just anybody. He, he only did this, and he did this job as a favor to, like, Bob Weinstein. He was filming another movie, and Bob was like, can you just, like, walk up the stairs for, like, a couple seconds? He had no idea this would become one of his, like, best-known roles. But yeah, Candy, you, you definitely get more of Cotton in part two and part three. He becomes a bigger part of the plot, and which is crazy because he's only in his movie for like five seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the other mysterious character that we hear about and only see in pictures, Maureen Prescott, who to be her her one affair is the reason why this whole franchise exists. At this point, that's what we believe, but we don't want to spoil it. Spoil it going ahead, but what, what do you think about that? Like, this whole franchise is based off her sleeping with Billy's dad. Well, <clears throat> her and um, Billy's dad obviously both both to fault because um, um, she was with like Sydney's, she was with Sydney's dad and he was with Billy's mom, so they're both like cheating on like. Like um, their spouses and whatnot, so I understand how that can like get someone <clears throat> out, like in a state of mind, like how it did for Billy, but not to the point where I want that woman to die, <laughs> per se. <laughs> like if it like um I, like I wouldn't like I wouldn't take it that far, but I would see how he would have some resentment <clears throat> towards that, and um both like the um. Sydney's mom and his dad like had a part to play and how that played out for him. So um, yeah, they're kind of both default. But outside, don't like have strong opinions on Sydney's mom just because even though like this is the kickoff to the franchise and like everything else like kind of connects back in a way. At a certain point, I kind of forgot that was the whole reason we were here. <laughs> yeah, but by the time you get to the 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 reasoning, especially when you get to like. I don't want to spoil it. When we get to part three, you're like, wait, what? This doesn't make sense in context of part one. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. It, it, it's going to get confusing. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, damn. It's, oh. All, <laughs> it's, it's all still about Marine. It's just you get more of Marine's backstory, and it becomes way more convoluted. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets complicated. It's crazier than the whole Cult of Thorn shit. It makes no sense. Oh, damn, it gets worse than that. Not worse. <laughs> it's just as confusing and as stupid as as that. What about you, Maria? What do you think about Maureen and her character, her characteristics in the movie? Well, I mean... I don't know. I feel like you don't really get a lot about her besides the fact that people around town call her a slut and... Um, and how Billy basically blames her for the killings, which I mean, yeah, I feel like that's it's kind of unfair. What about his father? Like, yeah, like where's your dad? Like, 
but no, he just talks about he never mentions his dad. All he says was, "You like your mom is the reason my mom left." Like, no, <laughs> that's kind your of your mom just left. Your father is the reason why your mom left. Yeah, but plus, I mean, I feel like I mean, your mom could have taken you with her and she didn't. So I mean, who who's really the bad guy here? <laughs> I mean, not saying that her mom, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little unfair. I guess from Maureen, um, you know, I mean, obviously her having an affair with a married man when she herself was married and had her kid, obviously that's not right. But I feel like it's not fair that, you know, this man, this, you know, how Billy's blaming her for all these people dying when, I mean, I mean, she didn't really force you to do that and she didn't force her mom to leave. And she slept shame throughout the entire movie. Like that scene with the girls in the bathroom. Yeah. Her mother was a tramp. What the fuck? Like, and I, yeah, and I feel bad. I feel like she's slut shamed throughout basically like the first three movies. Like, leave. Yes. <laughs> like yes, she's she, dead. She is actually. And I feel like you know, especially the fact that she's dead and she can't really you know defend herself and really you know, which makes it easier for people to you know, call her a slut and say to Sydney when Sydney herself was a teen, you know. And I feel like I don't know. It kind of sucks. <laughs> what about you, Candy? On the mom. Yep. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on it. It's like two seconds of the movie. <laughs> well, see, I think we, the three of us have opinions on it because we know that she's going to be constantly talked about in every single movie. And with each movie, you learn more about her. More so in part three, you get more of like Marine Prescott's backstory. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference. Like we, we've the, the, the three of us. Well, me and Twan, at least, I think we saw we've seen all four. Yeah. And with with in part four, you get more of Marine's family in the movie, which is even more convoluted. But you do see, you do get more about like Marine. Uh, okay. Like her and Cotton, her and Cotton get small mentions and small looks, but. As this, as the series goes on, you get more and more about them, which I I think is actually pretty decent. But does anyone have any hot takes about the movie? Hmm. Hot takes. Um. I don't. I don't really think so. Besides, like besides like I mentioned earlier, like Tatum trying to get out that damn dog door. <laughs> I still like, that would just forever be funny to me, just because it's like. There, there were options available, and you were actually like fighting back. Unlike some, like some other horror characters who would have just like they probably would have got stabbed immediately. Like she tried fighting back and everything, but like the dog door is like such a lapse in judgment. It's so funny. Like I don't know why that would be the first thought. Like I would never, like I would, I would have never even looked at that damn dog door if I was in her situation. I would never thought about that. <laughs> For me, I think Dewey not dying is something that haunts the rest of the series because it shows that they are they they're afraid to go after the big kill, and that becomes like a recurring theme. But they're afraid to like kill the big players, and I think Dewey should have died. In Wait, who's directing the new movie? Because isn't it wasn't it like Wes Craven before for all the movies? Wes. Yep, Wes Craven directed all four of the first, all of the first four movies. Mm-hmm. So 
I forgot who's directing this one. Um, I'm kind of afraid. I do remember. I don't remember their names, but it, if I recall, I believe it's the directors who did that movie, Ready or Not, like two years ago. If you've seen that, it was a horror movie. Um, that oh, was actually. I, it was actually pretty good. Was it? Yeah, the movie itself was actually like pretty good, and it was also kind of like a horror satire type of thing. So I feel like they could kind of do what they did with Ready or Not. They could kind of work with Scream. Matt Oblin and Tyler Gillett. Yeah, I believe I think I think so because uh, I was when I when I was oh, reading yeah. when I was reading that it was going to be a new Scream. Um, I saw that they were like in the running to like direct it, so I was like, okay, I could get with that because I like Ready or Not. I'm okay with director change, but I'm kind of upset that Kevin Williamson isn't writing because we we've had a non like Kevin written. We had a, a movie that Kevin written Kevin Williams didn't write. And that's Scream Three, and Scream Three has a lot of <laughs> a lot of yeah, issues. Scream that, Three is the problem child of the series. <laughs> I would say that for a Scream Three episode, but yeah. like you can definitely tell that uh, a non-Kevin Williams written Scream movie definitely like he has a certain flair that people can't recreate. So I'm kind of afraid that he's not. But I've seen photos of him on set, so I hope. He was like whispering in their ear and being like, "Hey, we need to do this, this, and that, and keep it like this." So I hope he had a big like hand in the script because mm-hmm. I don't want to repeat a Scream Three. That was Ooh, asked. So I hear Scream Three is like the most controversial, huh? Yeah. Scream. <laughs> I can. I'll, I can. I compare Scream Three to Halloween Five. Oh shit! Really? Where things just huh. were. Yeah. No, actually, I compare it to Resurrection. Oh, okay. Yeah. It it tried something new, and it just didn't... It didn't work. But you'll see when we get there. It's... Yeah, yeah it's, it's something. It's, 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 <laughs> it wasn't it's, that bad. <laughs> really? It was okay. <laughs> I mean, well, guess we'll, no, we'll, we'll see when we get there, you but... You come back for our Scream 3 episode, then, because... Yeah, because I personally don't like the movie. But do you have any hot takes on this one? On screen one, Maria. Um, not really. Honestly, I just feel like the movie is just kind of. I like it because I feel like you know, it's just it's a good simple slasher movie. I feel like it's not that deep. The only time it really gets deep is when Billy's like. You know, I'm doing this because of your mom. And that's where you're like, oh, my. You know, I, I feel like it was a good twist. It wasn't like your typical just random people just going around killing their friends just because they want, you know, for simple reasons. Like, they just want to be famous. I thought it was a good twist. But it's also, like, at the same time, it a simple slasher movie that, you know, you could just watch when you just want to, like, you know, just not really have to really think about it. You know what I mean? Like, think about the movie too much. I think I have a hot take. All right. I got one right here. Oh, from watching this one Scream movie, okay? And after having watched, like, all the all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, I think I can safely say that Sydney is a little bit more likable to me than Nancy. Definitely. I could agree. Nancy was annoying. She annoyed me for most of the movie. Yeah. And, like, things are happening around you and you just give no fucks. But, I, I, yeah, I do think Sydney is... Wes Craven has a good eye for final girls in his movies. 
so it, it makes sense to me that that Sydney's like. Mm-hmm. But we've reached a point where I can give everyone some behind the scenes facts, starting with the budget. The budget for this movie was between fourteen and fifteen million dollars, and they made one hundred and seventy-three dollars. The one hundred and seventy-three million dollars at the box office. So they definitely made all their money back. Yeah, that's a lot. And I can and I can see why the sequel came out less than a year later. Oh, really? When you less than a year later? Damn. Came out less than a year later because this came out in '96. The 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 next one came out in I want to say early '97. Damn. Yeah, because this came out. Because um, Scream had a thing of like coming out around like Christmas time, during the holiday yeah. season. Yeah, because Scream, this one came out in December of 96, and Scream 2 came out in December of 97. Back to back. Honestly, that's a lot of money, especially in the 90s for an R-rated horror movie. That's a lot of money to make at the box office. Yeah. But at that point, you had all those bad sequels. Like, Well, not bad. Well, yeah, I mean, The Curse of Michael Myers was bad and all those Hellraiser VHS movies and you still have like Nightmare on Elm Street and Jason Jason <laughs> the hell never came back out until like 98 so there were all those bad sequels and so this kind of like jump started the the slasher craze again because after this we get I Know What You Did Last Summer which is also written by Kevin Williams Williamson and then speaking of Kevin Williamson he 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 wasn't really known at the time. This was his first like Hollywood production. This is before Dawson's Creek and Vampire Diaries and the following. Uh, so getting to him wasn't really a big deal. He was just someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually, <laughs> interesting enough, he came up with this idea because he was watching news report about the Greens, the, the Gainesville Ripper who was killing people on the campus of Gainesville. And so he just took that and wrote about it and turned to the movie. That and plus he, plus he wanted to like do like homage to Halloween 1978. So a fictional serial killer and a real serial killer is inspiration for Scream. And then directed by, this was directed by Wes Craven, who you know, invented Freddy Cougar, made my favorite horror movie, The Last House on the Left. But he was also big in the 70s because he made a bunch of hardcore R-rated porn movies. Oh, shit, did he? <laughs> I actually never knew that. But under a pseudonym, so you won't know which ones he did. He just did a bunch of them, apparently. And then, like we said, this, this movie was originally titled Scary Movie, but they changed it to Scream after Harvey and Bob Weinstein were listening to the Michael Jackson scream song on their car on the way to the studio and was like, oh, this would be a perfect title for a movie. Let's change the movie's name to Scream. And this movie was called Scary Movie up until, like, up until it went out, like, the first trailer went out. Like, even in post-production, there was still Scary Movie. That's honestly and, so funny, considering, you know, Scary Movie and they just parody Scream. That's and it's also it's also the same company too. Yeah, that's 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 very funny actually. Um, critics had 
kind of decent reactions. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle said they appreciate the shift from the teen slasher films of the 80s and their endless series of laborious half-baked sequels. Empire said it was clever, quick, and bloody fun. The famous Roger Ebert of Chicago Sun-Times said, well, he gave it three stars out of four, saying that he loved the jokes and his self-aware characters, but was confused on whether the level of violence was diffused by the ironic way the film uses it and comments on it. But overall, people people like Scream and people have like good memories about it. And I know, I love this movie. But to close us out, I just want to ask everyone this question. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> uh, that is a good question. Um, man, I don't even know. I, it's, it's so many. <clears throat> it's so many that I like, and it's like it's just. Uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to think. Like it's funny because Scream would be up there as like one of them, like the first one. Um, but I don't. I don't want to just say you that one. So maybe the um, Japanese version of The Ring. I, I like that movie a lot. That movie scares the shit out of me still. Yeah, the honestly the American the the, ver- the U.S. version too is really good too. The English one, they, the remake, the, the that version is good too. Both of them are like really good actually. Actually, Brings is the only like American like, American version of our movie that I actually enjoy. Yeah, the Grudge is the Grudge is iffy. Yeah, the Grudge is iffy. Like the first one was okay, then they started doing like so many sequels, and it didn't make sense anymore. But yeah, you know, the ring it it, it it holds up. What's my favorite horror movie? Mm-hmm. Scary movie, <laughs> dude. My my <laughs> horror movie repertoire is so small, so I'm gonna be super basic and say Halloween. I mean, that's right, because you only really seen like Halloween, and you you watched Halloween for the podcast. We watched. <laughs> We kicked it. We were going to kick off our podcast with the Hellraiser franchise. We got four movies deep, and we decided, fuck yeah, this rap. God, those movies are so horrible, <laughs> my guy. <laughs> they just turned into how can how can Pinhead kill this person now? <laughs> so weird. Uh, what about you, Maria? What's your favorite scary movie? I don't know. I have like because I do like I love watching scary movies. Um, mostly like paranormal ones or like thrillers or psychological ones. Um, I have like a whole collection of them. Um, I don't know. Well, um, I guess Midsummer or oh, that's Hereditary. I have yet to see either of those. those I I have them on DVD if you want to watch them, but they're so they're good. <laughs> they I have are... that like on I have that on our on my list of movies to cover on the podcast. I'm probably gonna wait until then to have like a fresh perspective. Yeah, those are gonna be those are those are gonna be good ones for both of you to watch, especially Kennedy since he hasn't seen much. <clears throat> those are good ones, and then also like you you have a really good you have like a long discussion on those. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of intricacies with the, with both of those movies and like that's what I hear. Story. Yeah, 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 they are slow burner movies though. Um, nothing really mm-hmm. picks up until the end, but it gets. I mean, specifically like Hereditary, the ending got me so 
bad. <laughs> it was so it was it was a lot, but you should definitely watch them. They're they're really good. It's yeah, a lot to think good. about. For me, mine is a classic. And I don't it's considered a horror movie, but it's more like a psychological thriller, but also a horror movie. And it's The Last House on the Left. The original version, directed by Wes Craven from the seventies. Mm-hmm. That movie is so grainy and you kind of feel dirty for watching it. It's like, should I be watching this? Is this illegal? It looks like one of those like dark web, movie. like a snuff film from the dark web. And you just feel so uncomfortable, but it's so good. It keeps you hooked. And the remake pales in comparison. But I do I do plan on like rewatching both because at some point we do want to like talk about horror movie remakes, give them their own like little like section and like season. So that's definitely gonna gonna come up. But I love like, love the last album less. I definitely recommend people to watch that. But with that being said, that closes us out for our new episode for our new season of the Had and We Had and Failed Horror Podcast. Thank everyone for listening. And I hope you guys can come back and join us for part two because we enjoyed having both of you join us this time. For sure. This was fun. Thanks everyone for listening. The Haddonfield Horrors Podcast is a Letters to Media production. Should we do an intro?